The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. It's a great song. If that didn't light your wood, then uh, you fire your woods wet, I think, because that's a, that's a great song to know that death is defeated and Christ is alive and in Christ we're alive. And uh, this morning, if you would, turn to Psalms chapter 80, and we're just going to be all over this morning, so you're not going to be able to turn to all the scriptures. And uh, last week, we talked about what to do when your ship is sinking, and uh, we kind of covered several things that were examples that the Lord used as his disciples was there in a boat, and uh, first they uh, asked him for help, and then they listened to his words, and then they learned from his uh, word. So not only did they hear, they listened, they learned, and they put it into practice. And the thing that I was thinking about, I was going to add this last week, and I just didn't have room or time, but uh, I think a lot of times we, we go through and we hear something and we say, well, I'm doing those things. Uh, I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord for help. And uh, that's why I wanted to start in Psalms chapter 80 down in verse 4. I think sometimes we may feel like the psalmist here uh, and he says, O oh Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? I think sometimes we feel like that. We feel like, well, why, why are my prayers not being answered? And we, we have a, a book of promises and we have a book that talks about prayer and talks about uh, God's promise for prayer. Matter of fact, I, uh, I have a little book here and I, I just, instead of writing all these down, and I, I just wanted to, to share a few scriptures with us and uh, they're not going to be on the overhead, but Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8 says, Ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be open. For everyone who asks receives, uh, and those who seek finds, and those who knocks the door is open. There's a promise from God. Uh, Matthew twenty one twenty two says, All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believe, and you'll receive those things. Jeremiah twenty nine twelve. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Isaiah sixty five twenty four says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I'll answer. I know your needs already, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear them. John sixteen twenty three and 24, Whatsoever you ask my Father in His name, He'll give it to you. You have to ask nothing. Here too have you asked nothing in my name, asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. Also in 1 John 3:22 and whatsoever you ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and those things are pleasing in his sight Mark 11:24 wherefore I say unto you what things you soever desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you'll have them John 14:13 and 14 and whatsoever you ask in my name that will I do now, here's a key that I think we miss sometimes. Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John fifteen seven says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. I think we can take all of those scriptures, and, and that is not even close to 
uh, all the, the promises we find in prayer. And I think we can read those and say, you know, the Bible gives me a promise, and I'm following that promise, or I'm claiming that promise, but I'm not sure my prayers are getting much higher than the roof. And, and as I begin to think about that, and, and I'm thinking about this in my own life, I feel like I've been there before. You know, God used to tell me, uh, pray in my name and believe and ask and, and don't waver and have faith, and I'm going to answer your prayers. But also with that, we lot of, I think a lot of times, and I'm talking about myself, I may say we, if you don't fall into this category, just excuse yourself from it, but I think a lot of times we like to claim those promises we like to say, okay, God, here's your word. I'm going to take it. I'm going to name it. I'm going to claim it. And, and uh, this is what your word says. And we leave out a lot of what else God's word says. Because God has a plan for us and he has a purpose for us. And sometimes God in our prayers knows what's best for us. I wouldn't say sometimes, all times. God knows what's best for us in our prayer. When we're asking and not receiving, he lists several reasons why we may not be receiving. Now, sometimes we're praying for something and God doesn't answer it the way we want Him to because He knows what's best for us. But listen to this morning, I have nine points. Amen? I have nine points. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Cowboys don't play today. They're going to sit at home and... Uh, we're going to try to get through all of them, and we're going, to, we're going to move on. Now, I want to tell you, I went to a meeting this week. I go to a lot of meetings, and I was up in the Dallas area, and uh, this guy got up, and he had a PowerPoint, and he, he had all of these bullets on this PowerPoint, and he stood up there and read all of those things, and I was just, I was ready to fall out of my chair. You know, everybody there was just like, oh, and it was like, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher, that wah, 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 wah. That's what it was. And then he sat down, and another guy got up and did the same thing. And then we had a guest speaker, and he spoke an hour and a half and uh, talking about how our minds work. Boy, my, he was way off base with my mind because it had left there uh, about halfway through his speech. But I hope this morning that I don't come across as this wah, 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 get through your nine points, Jake. Because all of these things, incidentally, I read you nine promises. And I have nine points that what hinders our prayers? And these nine things are straight out of Scripture. And I hope this morning that it won't be something that bores us or something we check out about halfway through, but it would be relevant that it would be interesting to us because they are the words of God for us where He says, Hey, I want you to think about your prayer life. I have all of these promises. I want to give you these things, these blessings. And we sang about blessings this morning, but here are some things that in your prayer life you need to address. And for me, I like to claim the promises and say, well, I'm not that much interested in the hindrances. I'm just going to go on and claim the promises. So what I want us to do, and we're going to move through these pretty quickly this morning, but these are nine things that we find in Scripture that hinders our prayers. The first is this, failure to come clean with God. I mean, failure just to, just to be honest with God. And in Psalm 66, 18, the psalmist says, If I had ignored sins, 
the Lord would not have listened to me. In other words, if we harbor sin within our heart, if we have known sin in our heart and we, we keep those things, and I love what the psalmist says, if I just ignored them, if I'd have just looked over them and just thought, well, I'm not worried about that. Lord, I want you to bless me. Then the, the, the psalmist says, the Lord would not have listened to me. I was thinking and following through it. I don't know why I got off on lying, but I, I got to looking up scriptures about lying in scripture, uh, 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 scriptures, and there's a bunch of them. If you've never just went through and looked up lying, I think that's something every person struggles with. Now, don't check yourself out on that. I want you to think about how easy is it for us to lie? How easy is that? I'll give you an example. Maybe none of my family's listening on, uh, on the internet, but yesterday we had a wedding and we went to, and the food was, I'm not going to say that. John said it, less than desirable. So my sister said, how was the food? What would we do? Oh, it was great. <laughs> that's, that's just a little lie, ain't it? Hey, but we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We didn't lie, did we, Denise? I said, those oranges were good, and they were. <laughs> and I said, Callan, this is the, her grandson, who's just a little baby, a year and a half or so old. Uh, I said, he loved those grapes. And we went on to another topic. Well... As, as silly as that is, how many times do we just, we just lie? Just, you know, we missed you. Oh, I was, I was sick. Or, oh, I had, well, wasn't nothing wrong. We didn't want to come. You know, you, you don't want to say, oh, I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to come. But, but I'm saying that there's so many areas of our life that we can ignore our sins. And I think that's a big one for folks. And, and this book called I Surrender, it's by Patrick Morley. He, he says the, the church's integrity problem is in misconception. And I want you to listen to what he says. Not that we have an issue with integrity. He says this, For the most part, the church believes that we can add Christ to our lives and not subtract sin from our lives. In other words, it's a change of belief without a change of behavior. And I think sometimes I fall into that. I think, you know, I've got Christ into my life, and, and I want Christ to lead me, and I want to serve Him, but I just keep sin within my heart. I, I just disregard sin and think, well, the Lord's going to bless me anyway. So when we look at that, the failure to come clean with God, I think that's the first thing that we find in Scripture that hinders our prayers. And we could go on and talk about that just due to time we're not going to. But know this, the Bible says that we can test ourselves, we can accurately judge ourselves, and we can even judge others. And we're not to be others' judges, but it says by the fruit we bear is how we can judge ourselves. And in others we can tell if they're truly a follower, by the fruit they bear, you'll know them. That's what Scripture says. So if we want to test ourselves, think about the fruit we bear outside of church. And when we begin to think about ourselves, are we coming clean with God when it comes to our sin? I, I spent more time on there than I will the rest of them. Here's the second one we find in Scripture that hinders our prayer. And it's trying to make a good impression with false motives. Trying to make a good impression with false motives. In, in other words, trying to be something you're really not. 
And in Scripture, in Matthew 6, 5, he uses example. He says, when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to stand up and pray in houses of worship and stand on the street corners so that everyone will see them and everyone will admire them and everyone will say, oh, look how spiritual that person is. I assure you, Christ says, they've received their pay in full. In other words, those who try to give an impression of being something they're not. The Lord says, okay, if you want to do that, you're going to get your reward right then. You know what that reward is? It's simply somebody looking and going, boy, that guy's spiritual right there. But the, that motive there, that, that, that false motive, is, is to let a facade out there, to let everybody say, hey, look how spiritual I am. And we need to understand when we do that, 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 that picture that we put out there, it, it, it hinders our prayers. There's a picture in London, and, and from a distance, it, it's a, it looks like a monk, and he's in prayer, and, and he's bowed down, and he's, he's got his hands, and he's, he, it appears that he's praying, but when you get up close, and you begin to really examine the picture, he's squeezing a lemon into a punch bowl. But, but from a distance... It looks like, hey, this guy's in, he's really in prayer. And for Christians, some Christians, we, we kind of put that same picture out there. There's not been any regeneration by the Holy Spirit. We simply have a picture of, of that, that person that everything looks good. But really, it's just, a, it's just squeezing that lemon into a punch bowl. And as long as everyone else thinks it looks good, then, then we're okay with that. And we need to be aware that that hinders our prayers. Here's the third thing. Asking God for something we have no right to. Something that we have the wrong motives to. Listen to James chapter 4 verse 3. And when you ask, you do not receive it because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask something for your own pleasures. Now listen, Christ says, I come that you'd have life and you'd have it abundantly. He, he wants to bless His children. He, he wants us to, to, to live an abundant life, even more than abundant life. But He says also that, that when we pray, we need to ask with the right motives. I'm sure you've heard of Norman Vincent Peale uh, in his book, Why Prayers Are Unanswered. John Lavender tells a story about him. He says when Peale was a boy, he found a big black cigar laying in an alley, so he lit it up. My, my dad smoked cigars when I was young, and uh, somehow Mama's got a picture of me with a cigar behind my back, <laughs> and uh, I had just had me a big old stogie. You know, I was about that big, and uh, I don't remember the whole rest of the story, but uh, as I read this and saw this, I thought this is a great illustration because... Uh, I also got, got smoking and behind the church with some buddies. <laughs> and uh, there, was a lo- there was a row of, you remember that, Daddy? <laughs> there was a row, he remembers, boy, he, he beat the soup out of me. That's why he remembers it. Uh, there was a row of evergreen trees there. How do you know somebody's back there smoking? And, and I figured out it was nighttime and that red fire, you know, that, <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, it stunted my growth, I think. But anyway... Norman Vincent Peale, uh, he found the cigar, he lit it up, he was hiding behind the building and he saw his father coming. says, quickly, he hid the cigar behind his back and tried to act casual, despised, uh, desperate to divert his father's attention. Uh, 
Norman pointed to a billboard advertising the circus was coming to town. And he said, can I go, Dad, please? Can I go when the circus comes to town? His father replied this word to him, Son, never make a petition while at the same time trying to hold smoldering disobedience. And you know, that's a pretty good word, isn't it? Norman Vincent Peale said that was a lesson I never forgot. Don't make a petition while holding smoldering disobedience. And when we ask, as Norman Vincent Peale was asking, we ask for the wrong motives. We ask that our own desires would be filled. We ask for our own pleasures. You know, we read a, we read a, a promise a while ago that said, ask whatever we want and, and God's going to give us to the glory of the Father. That's the key. That's the, that's the other part of what God is telling us here. Here's the fourth thing. Refusing to believe that God will answer our prayers. Do you ever do that? Just you, You're going to pray, but you really don't believe God's, going to, God's even going to answer that prayer. James 1.5 says, But if any of you lack wisdom, you should pray to God who will give it to you because God gives generously and graciously to all who ask. You know, when the Bible tells us when we pray, we shouldn't be tossed around by uh, like a wind and a, and a ship with no rudder, but, but we're, to, we're to pray and we're to, to believe. And, and I want you to think about this. I, I read this story about a, a lady and a man. They were flying, and a, a just a, her and her husband, and the husband became unconscious, and she had to take controls of the plane, and she didn't know how to fly. This is a true story. And so she just kept the plane aloft. And, and she kept going to the radio saying, help me, help me, won't anyone help me? My husband is, is unconscious, won't anyone help me? Somebody please help me. And, and the authorities, they picked up her distress signal, but they couldn't get in contact with her because she kept changing the channels on the radio. She would change to a channel and say, help me, help me, is anyone there? Please help me. And then she would change the channel and she would go through that process over and over again. And, and they said, we're, we're trying to get in contact. But, but you keep changing the channels and you keep going to different directions. And, and for us, incidentally, she did land the plane and she crawled some 45 minutes to, to a farmhouse for help. But, but so often I think we do that. We come to God and we say, God, I have this problem, I have this situation, and, and would you help me with it? And then we change channels and we start doing all we can to, to fix it ourselves. We, we really don't believe God's going to answer that prayer. And when we don't believe, God says that's going to hinder our prayers. Here's the fifth thing this morning. Denying the reality of spiritual warfare. Folks, we need to understand spiritual warfare is real. Ephesians says it's something that we need to put on the full armor of God that we might be able to withstand the spiritual warfare. It said it's not against people. It's not against things that, that are here on earth, but it's in, it's in demons, it's in spiritual things that we battle. In Daniel 10, 9 through 14, Daniel says, I heard his voice and I fell to the ground unconscious and lay there face downward. Then a hand took hold of me and raised me to my feet and to my knees and I was trembling. And the angel said to me, Daniel, God loves you. Boy, listen, isn't that great? I was, I was on the ground. I was, I was trembling. And I heard the voice that said, Daniel, God loves you. So stand up and listen carefully 
to what I'm going to say. I've been sent to you. And when he had said this, I stood up, though I was still trembling. Then he said, Daniel, do not be afraid. For God has heard your prayers ever since the first day you decided to humble yourself in order to gain understanding. And I have come to answer your prayer. Now, I want you to hear what's happening here. Daniel has been praying. He had a situation. He's been lifting up to God, but he hadn't got any response back yet. And he, he is trembling. He's face down. A, an angel of the Lord comes. He lifts him up. He says, stand up. And he said, I'm going to answer your prayer. The angel prince helped me because I had been left there alone in Persia and I was delayed for a good three weeks. But then Michael, one of the chief angel princesses, intervened to help me. You know what he's saying there? He said, your prayer was, was heard by God, but there was spiritual warfare taking place, and for a good three weeks, or for a good 21 days, I was held back. I was in a, I was in a spiritual warfare with Satan, with his demons, and, and because of that, Michael came, and he, he, helped, he helped me persevere, and, and I'm here now to answer your prayer. And folks, we need to understand that spiritual warfare is a reality. And sometimes just simply because Satan doesn't want what God wants for us, there's a battle, a spiritual battle taking place. And if you sit here today and say, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, you're denying the reality of spiritual warfare. You're denying the very Word of God that's spoken in Daniel, that's spoken in Ephesians. There's spiritual battles taking place, and we need to understand that. Sometimes our prayers are delayed simply because of the spiritual attack, the spiritual warfare that's taking place. Here's the sixth thing. Now, here's a good one, and and you're going to say for men, but this is for men and women, okay? It says over in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together, joint heirs together with the grace of life, that your prayers would not be hindered. That sixth thing there, Discrediting the worth of our spouse, an un, uh, a, a bad relationship, a relationship that's out of harmony with your spouse, that hinders your prayers. Did you know that? And sometimes we say, well, that doesn't matter. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for that. I want this to happen or that to happen. And, and that whole time we're, we're not working and we're not walking and we're not fellowshipping with our wife. And the Lord says this, that discredits your prayers. Look at that that your prayers may not be hindered. Likewise, husband, dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor to your wife as the weaker vessels, being heirs together with the grace of life, that your prayers will not be hindered. The seventh thing, overconfidence in our spiritual maturity. Overconfidence in our spiritual maturity, that hinders our prayers. When, we, when, when we're, just, we're just over the top, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a spiritual giant. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed within himself this way, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other men, extorters, unjust, adulterers, or even like that tax collector that's praying there. 
that, that Pharisee that come and said, God, I, I, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm a spiritual giant here. Look at, this, look at this tax collector. I thank you that I'm not like them. I fast on the Sabbath. I tithe all of my possessions. And standing afar off, the tax collector, who would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but struck his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that that man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be brought down, and he who humbles himself will be lifted up or will be exalted. We need to recognize who we are in Christ. We're born again Christians in Christ, but, but the Bible says our best we have to offer is as filthy rags before Christ. And we need to understand when we come before Christ, we come humble before Christ. We don't come boldly before Christ in our request. We come boldly before the throne. Let me just spend a minute on, on uh, explaining that. During this time, no one could approach the king on his own without an invitation. So, and Esther's a great example, if you know the story of Esther. And so when, when all of this stuff's happening over in Esther, you know, the king's going to wipe out all the Jews. If you don't know that story, we don't have time to go there. But uh, Haman, her uncle, is at the gate and says to Esther, look, you've got to go before the king. And she says, well, the king will just kill me if I walk into his chambers. And, and uh, the, her uncle there says, well, you know, all your people's going to be killed. And when they find out you're a Jew, you're going to be killed too. She enters the throne uninvited, and he raises his scepter, that means come on in. So when we read in Scripture, we can, we can approach the throne with boldness. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about we don't have to have that invitation from the king. We don't have to worry about coming into his presence and him striking us down. We can be bold before the king. But just like Esther, she was bold before the king, but she was humble in her request. See the difference there? That when we say we go boldly before God, it doesn't mean we come with our fist and boldly we make our request to God and I'm a spiritual giant and here's what you need for me. We approach boldly, but we humbly make our request before God. And that's what this scripture is talking about and it compares the Pharisee and the tax collector. And we need to have confidence in our salvation, but we also need to be humble as we pray before God. Arnold Palmer, I like this illustration I found. He says, this is a lesson about overconfidence. The final hole of the 1961 Masters Tournament, he had a one-stroke lead, and all he had was one more shot to get on the tee, uh, to get on the green. He said, I hit a very satisfying tee shot. I felt I was in pretty good shape, and as I approached the bar, I saw an old friend standing in the gallery. He motioned me over and stuck out his hand and said, Congratulations, you've won. You're on the last hole. You had a great tee shot. You're just a short distance from the green. You're already leading. And he said, I took his hand, I shook it, but as soon as I did, I knew I had lost my focus. He said, on my next two shots, I hit the first shot into a sand trap. Then I hit the ball over the edge of the green. I missed a putt, and I lost the Masters. He said, you don't forget a mistake like that. You learn from it, and I became determined that it'll never happen again, and it hasn't happened in the last 30 years. See, he approached with 
overconfidence. And sometimes our spiritual maturity, we need to recognize who we are and what we are in Christ. Number eight. This is the eighth hindrance I think we find in Scripture to prayer. Failure to submit to biblical teaching. When we fail to submit to to what God's Word has to say, that hinders our prayers. And and for me, that's where I am sometimes. As I said at the beginning, sometimes I, 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 I ask God for blessings or I ask God to direct me or I ask God to lead me in this way and, and He'll direct me to His Word. And I'll find something in His Word and, and it's something that I need to adhere to. It's something I need to follow. And I'm like, ah... You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not that bad in that area. And, and just go, God, I, I want you to go ahead and just failure to submit to his teaching. Listen to what Proverbs 1, 24 through 28 says. Because I called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and I've paid no one any attention. Boy, this is pretty serious. I've called you and you refused me. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention, but you have despised my advice and you have heeded none of my warnings. I also will laugh at your trouble. I will mock you when fear comes and when your fear comes as a wasting away and your ruin comes like a tempest. When trouble and pain come upon you, then they shall call upon me and I'll not answer. And they shall seek me early and they'll not find me. That's what God's Word says. You know, He says, I, I reached out, I called to you, I, I directed you, and I, I stretched out my hand, but no, nobody paid attention to those things. So therefore, you know, you, you, you failed to submit to my teaching, so when you call upon me, I'm not going to hear you. Now the good thing is, we can read this about God's chosen people. When they would repent and turn back to Christ, what would He do? He would bless them. He'd answer their prayers. But I think for us sometimes in our, in our prayer life, we're hindered in our prayer life because we simply won't, won't submit to God's teaching. We won't submit to God's Word. In 1986, there were two ships in the Black Sea, and they collided. And this was uh, off the coast of Russia, Hundreds of passengers died, and they began to, they began to uh, investigate this accident to see what happened. And they discovered it wasn't a, a technical problem. There wasn't nothing wrong with the gauges. There wasn't nothing wrong with any of the, uh, the ship's steering, any of the ship's uh, motors, any, any of those things, navigational system. There was nothing wrong with either one of these ships. The problem was each captain was aware of the presence of another ship. But neither captain would change their course. And the ships were coming together. And each captain said, well, I'm not changing mine. They can change theirs. And, and because of that, these two ships collided. When they finally realized he's not going to change, it was too late to cheer. It was too late to turn. And for us, when we fail, when we fail to submit to God's teaching, it's our pride just like the pride of these two captains saying, you know what, you can change, I'm not going to change. That's what we tell God when we fail to submit to His teaching. Here's the ninth thing. I've got ten minutes and I'm not going to use it all. Unwilling to forgive or be forgiven. That hinders our prayer. When we're unwilling to forgive or to be forgiven, Matthew five twenty three and 24 says, Therefore... If you offer your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
Leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and bring your gift. That's how serious God is about our forgiving others and our being forgiven. He says, if you come to me and you have a gift from me and you realize you have something against your brother and, and there's, a, there's a rub there, there's, a, there's something there that's, that's not... Uh, this is a brother in Christ. There's something in the church and, and, and you're holding something against them or they're holding something against you. Forget giving me a gift. Forget bringing an offering or a tithe. Go make things right. And when we fail to, to forgive or to be forgiven, that hinders our prayer. The Christian leader, and this is what I'm going to close with, Don Ratliff, tells a story of Vernon Grounds. I don't know those people. He came across in, in Ernest Gordon's Miracle on the River Kwai, and y'all may have seen that movie. It says the Scottish soldiers were forced by Japanese captors to labor in the Jungle Railroad, uh, and they had degenerated to bar- barbarians' behavior, barbarous behavior. But one afternoon, something happened. There was a shovel missing, and the officer in charge became enraged. He demanded that the missing shovel be produced or else. When no one in the squadron budged, the officer got his gun and threatened to kill all of them on the spot. It was obvious the officer meant what he had said. Then finally, one man stepped forward. The officer put away his gun, picked up a shovel, and beat the man to death. When it was over, the survivors picked up the bloody corpse and carried them to the second tool check. This time, there was no shovel missing. There had been a miscount at the first checkpoint. And the word spread like wildfire throughout the camp. An innocent man was willing to die that he might save others. It goes on and says, The incident had a profound effect. The men began to treat each other like brothers. And when victorious allies swept in, the survivors, who were human skeletons, lined up in front of their captors. And instead of attacking their captors, they insisted no more hatred, no more killing. What we need now is forgiveness. You know, sacrificial love, it has a transforming power. We need to understand, we need to be willing to forgive others. And we need to be willing to be forgiven. I think when we have these things, when we take these nine things and put them into practice, and we begin to understand there are some things that hinders our prayers, but there are some great promises that God says, if you'll just come to me, if you'll come to me righteously, if you'll come to me praying in my will, then whatever you ask will be done. Let's bow our heads together this morning. Father, I pray today that as we just consider your will for our lives, and Lord, as we consider our prayer life, Lord, I pray that we would know that you desire that we would approach you with boldness. And Father, we would approach you humbly. Father, I pray that you would reveal to us those areas of our lives where, Father, we've, we've held back, and because of that, it's hindering our prayers. Lord, I know that for us, we can't remember nine things from this sermon, but, Lord, I pray that in our mind, in each of our minds, you would show us that one area where we can start, that one area that we fail to 
let go and, and let you have control. Father, if we're harboring sin in our heart, I pray that we'd know that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray that we would know areas that through your spirit that we might repent. That means that we would turn away from and we'd start a new direction. Lord, I pray that we would have strength, that we'd have power, that we'd find joy in our time of prayer. Lord, I pray that our prayers would not be hindered, but, Father, that we would walk in your ways. We'd allow your spirit to lead us and guide us and direct us, Father. Lord, I pray that we'd not be dismayed, but we would know that it's your desire to take care of us. I pray, Lord, we'd also know that if we're in one of those areas that Uh, that's hindering our prayers, that you've not left us, forsaken us, or abandoned us. But, Father, you're with us, and, Lord, your Spirit is directing us to turn to you where we can find forgiveness. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name, and I pray that your Spirit would lead us in the ways that we should go, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.